Section 23 of From a Swedish Homestead by Selma Lagerlöf. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Section 23. The Brothers. It is very possible that I am mistaken, but it seems to me that an astonishing number of people die this year. I have a feeling that I cannot go down the street without meeting a hearse. One cannot help thinking about all those who are carried to the churchyard. I always feel as if it were so sad for the dead who have to be buried in towns. I can hear how they moan in their coffins. Some complain that they have not had plumes on the hearse. Some count up the rest and are not satisfied. And then there are some who have only been followed by two or three carriages, and who are hurt by it. The dead ought never to know and experience such things, but people in towns do not at all understand how they ought to honor those who have entered into eternal rest. When I really think over it, I do not know any place where they understand it better than at home in Svartsjö. If you die in the parish of Svartsjö, you know you will have a coffin like that of everyone else, an honest black coffin, which is like the coffins in which the country judge and the local magistrate were buried a year or two ago. For the same joiner makes all the coffins, and he has only one pattern. The one is made neither better nor worse than the other. And you know also, for you have seen it so many times, that you will be carried to the church on a wagon which has been painted black for the occasion. You need not trouble yourself at all about any plumes, and you know that the whole village will follow you to the church, and that they will drive as slowly and as solemnly for you as for a landed proprietor. But you will have no occasion to feel annoyed because you have not enough rest for they do not place a single flower on the coffin. It shall stand out black and shining, and nothing must cover it, and it is not necessary for you to think whether you will have a sufficiently large number of people to follow you, for those who live in your town will be sure to follow you every one, nor will you be obliged to lie and listen if there is lamenting and weeping around your coffin. They never weep over the dead when they stand on the church hill outside Svartsjö church. No, they weep a little over a strong young fellow who falls a prey to death, just as he is beginning to provide for his old people as they will for you. You will be placed on a couple of black trestles outside the door of the parish room, and a whole crowd of people will gradually gather round you and all the women will have handkerchiefs in their hands. But no one will cry. All the handkerchiefs will be kept tightly rolled up. No one will be applied to the eyes. You need not speculate as to whether people will shed as many tears over you as they would over others. They would cry if it were the proper thing, but it is not the proper thing. You can understand that if there were much sorrowing over one grave, it would not look well for those over whom no one sorrowed. They know what they were about at Svartsjö. They do as it has been the custom to do there for many hundred years. But whilst you stand there on the church hill, 
you are a great and important personage although you receive neither flowers nor tears no one comes to church without asking who you are and then they go quietly up to you and stand and gaze at you and it never occurs to any one to wound the dead by pitying him no one says anything but that it is well for him that it is all over it is not at all as it is in a town where you can be buried any day at svartsjö you must be buried on a sunday so that you can have the whole parish around you there you will have standing near your coffin both the girl with whom you danced at the last midsummer night's festival and the man with whom you exchanged horses at the last fair you will have the schoolmaster who took so much trouble with you when you were a little lad and who had forgotten you although you remembered him so well and you will have the old member of parliament who never before thought it worth his while to bow to you this is not as in a town where people hardly turn round when you are carried past when they bring the long bands and place them under the coffin there is not one who does not watch the proceedings you cannot imagine what a churchwarden we have at Svartsjö. He is an old soldier, and he looks like a field-marshal. He has short white hair and twisted moustaches and a pointed imperial. He is slim and tall and straight, with a light and firm step. On Sundays he wears a well-brushed frock-coat of fine dot. He really looks a very fine old gentleman and it is he who walks at the head of the procession then comes the verger not that the verger is to be compared with the churchwarden it is more than probable that his sunday hat is too large and old-fashioned as likely as not is awkward but when is a verger not awkward then you come next in your coffin with the six bearers and then follow the clergyman and the clerk and the town council and the whole parish all the congregation will follow you to the churchyard you may be sure of that but i will tell you something all those who follow you look so small and poor they are not fine townspeople you know only plain simple svartsjö folk there is only one who is great and important and that is you in your coffin you who are dead the others the next day will have to resume their heavy and toilsome work they will have to live in poor old cottages and wear old patched clothes the others will always be plagued and worried and dragged down and humbled by poverty those who follow you to your grave become far more sad by looking at the living than by thinking of you who are dead you need not look any more at the velvet collar of your coat to see if it is not getting worn at the edges you need not make a special fold of your silk handkerchief to hide that it is beginning to fray you will never more be compelled to ask the village shopkeeper to let you have goods on credit you will not find out that your strength is failing you will not have to wait for the day when you must go on the parish while they are following you to the grave every one will be thinking that it is best to be dead better to soar heavenwards carried on the white clouds of the morning 
then to be always experiencing life's manifold troubles. When they come to the wall of the churchyard, where the grave has been made, the bands are exchanged for strong ropes, and people get on to the loose earth and lower you down. And when this has been done, the clerk advances to the grave and begins to sing, I walk towards death. He sings the hymn quite alone. Neither the clergyman nor any of the congregation help him. But the clerk must sing, however keen the north wind and however glaring the sun which shines straight in his face, sing he does. The clerk, however, is getting old now, and he has not much voice left. He is quite aware that it does not sound as well now as formerly when he sang people into their graves. But he does it all the same. It is part of his duty. For the day you understand when his voice quite fails him, so that he cannot sing any more, he must resign his office, and this means downright poverty for him. Therefore the whole gathering stands in apprehension while the old clerk sings, wondering whether his voice will last through the whole verse. But no one joins him, not a single person, for that would not do. It is not the custom. People never sings at a grave at Svartsjö. People do not sing in the church either, except the first hymn on Christmas Day morning. Still, if one listened very attentively, one could hear that the clerk does not sing alone. There really is another voice, but it sounds so exactly the same, that the two voices blend as if they were only one. The other who sings is a little old man in a long, coarse grey coat. He is still older than the clerk, but he gives out all the voice he has to help him. And the voice, as I have told you, is exactly the same kind as the clerk's. They are so alike, one cannot help wondering at it. But when one looks closer, the little grey old man is also exactly like the clerk. He has the same nose and chin and mouth, only somewhat older, and as it were, more hardly dealt with in life. And then one understands that the little grey man is the clerk's brother, and then one knows why he helps him. For you see, things have never gone well with him in this world, and he has always had bad luck, and once he was made a bankrupt and brought the clerk into his misfortunes. He knows that it is his fault that his brother has always had to struggle, and the clerk, you know, has tried to help him on to his legs again, but with no avail for he has not been one of those one can help. He has always been unfortunate, and then he has had no strength of purpose. But the clerk has been the shining light in the family, and for the other it has been a case of receiving and receiving, and he has never been able to make any return at all. Great God! Even to talk of making any return, he who is so poor! You should only see the little hut in the forest where he lives. He knows that he has always been dull and sad, only a burden. Only a burden for his brother and for others. But now of late he has become a great man. Now he is able to give some return. 
and that he does now he helps his brother the clerk who has been the sunshine and life and joy for him all his days now he helps him to sing so that he may keep his office he does not go to church for he thinks that everyone looks at him because he has no black sunday clothes but every sunday he goes up to the church to see whether there is a coffin on the black thirstles outside the parish room and if there is one he goes to the grave in spite of his old gray coat and helps his brother with his pitiful old voice the little old man knows very well how badly he sings he places himself behind the others and does not push forward to the grave but sing he does it would not matter so much if the clerk's voice should fail on one or other note his brother is there and helps him at the churchyard no one laughs at the singing but when people go home and have thrown off their devoteness then they speak about the service and then they laugh at the clerk's singing laugh both at his and his brother's the clerk does not mind it it is the same to him but his brother thinks about it and suffers from it he dreads the sunday the whole week but still he comes punctually to the churchyard and does his duty but you in your coffin you do not think so badly of the singing you think that it is good music is it not true that one would like to be buried in svartsjö if only for the sake of that singing it says in the hymn that life is but a walk towards death and when the two old men sing this the two who have suffered for each other during their whole life then one understands better than ever before how wearisome it is to live and one is so entirely satisfied with being dead and then the singing stops and the clergyman throws the earth on the coffin and says a prayer over you then the two old voices sing i walk towards heaven and they do not sing this verse any better than the former their voices grow more feeble and querulous the longer they sing but for you a great and wide expanse opens and you soar upwards with tremulous joy and everything earthly fades and disappears but still the last which you hear of things earthly tells of faithfulness and love and in the midst of your trembling flight the poor song will awake memories of all the faithfulness and love you have met with here below and this will bear you upwards this will fill you with radiance and make you beautiful as an angel the end end of section twenty three and end of the book from a swedish homestead by selma lagerlöf translated by jesse bröchner and read by lars rolander thank you so much for listening